Hey guys, welcome back to the Ryan Nile Show. Today I'm sitting down with Alia Moreau. Alia Moreau is a Cairo-born, London-based author who is passionate about changing assumptions and preconceptions about Middle Eastern women. In today's episode, we discuss shame, guilt, love, sex, marriage, interracial relationships, community pressure, cultural identity, and what it's like to be an outsider. We also talk about the reality of writing a book, especially one that goes against the grain by celebrating your own freedom. Alia's debut book, The Greater Freedom, is part memoir, part social commentary. The book examines the blessings and burdens which form our cultural identities. All the links are in the description. If you want to buy the book, I highly recommend it. I really hope you enjoy this episode. You can watch the full conversation and search Ryan Nile Show on YouTube. Follow me on Instagram at ryan.nile.show for all of the links. Alia Muru. Is that right? Alia Muru. Well, that's it. I knew I'd get it Don't wrong. like overthink it. <laughs> <laughs> Alia Muru. Muru. All right, that's it. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having really, me. Really, really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. Because... What, seven years ago? This was the other way around. That's insane. <laughs> it's so weird. It feels like a literal lifetime ago. Maybe six lifetimes ago. Yeah, well, it definitely feels like that, mm. for sure. I mean, for both of us. And I mean, but I've seen you progress massively Thanks. since then. It's just been amazing to see. And to witness your first book come out, it's just... Wow. It's really surreal. I can't even tell you. Like, it's just such a weird... Like, walking in and just seeing it... Here in front of you, I'm just like, what? It's actually out in the world. It's amazing. It's bizarre. Yeah, what does that feel like? (laughs) Really weird, honestly. Like, I don't know what I would do if I was to be out and I was to see someone reading it. I think I would just go up to them like, oh my God, (laughs) I wrote that. My friend was on the bus the other day reading it and someone came up to him and was like, oh my God, like my friend's friend wrote that book. Like I have at home and stuff. And I think it was like 7 a.m. So he he didn't engage in conversation like, oh, she's my friend too. But it was, I can't imagine how I would do if I saw someone read it in, in public that's mad I, actually I walked past the bookshop on Saturday I was going to get my hair cut and I, I did think that like what would you th- you're walking past and you see your your, your book crazy. in the window like, that must be nuts yeah really bizarre because a lot of the times these you know they exist in your head well they do exist in your head yeah. way before you actually write them you know and you know as a writer you probably had this moment built up in your head for years yeah well even the process of the, of the book itself like it's been two and a half years from like inception of the idea so from coming up to with the for, with like actually what I wanted to say yeah to it being in my hands it's been two and a half years so even that is a really long time or like recording an album yeah that's a process yeah so tell the, um just tell the people what was the idea what really sparked um the greater freedom um there were There were a couple of like almost opposite things. The first, well, it felt like opposite things in trying to kind of discuss them in the book. But the first thing was, I think as I got older, I started to sort of feel the pull of both cultures a lot more than I had previously. Mm. I think when I was younger, I didn't really think about things. I kind of just like, you know, I was just making, I was just coming to terms with who I was. And I didn't think this is because of, I'm from Egypt and this is because I live in London. Like I just kind of was just going. Um, and then I think as I got older and started to like, you know, my parent, my mom would be like, oh, when are you going to get married? Or like I'd go to Egypt and all my friends were getting married. And then in London, that was so far from my reality. And like very few, most of my friends here are single, you know, like really small things like that. But they, 
added up and they accumulated and they started to feel like big things mm. almost like, oh, this is interesting. I wonder if it felt like a, increasingly like a pull of cultures. Right. Um, so there was that for starters. And I felt like I really wanted to delve into that and kind of question it. And I'm such a like overthinker. So when I felt like I couldn't, like I had this voice in the back of my head sometimes that was telling me what like the Egyptian society would think of me. And I was like, who the fuck are you guys? The invisible jury. Yeah, the yeah. invisible jury. I've called it in my book. And I was like, this is so bizarre because my parents aren't even really telling me this. Mm. So like, what is this voice? And I wanted to look into that. So that was one thing. And then on the flip side of that, I think it was just like the world is in a really weird place right now. So like Brexit and like Trump and Islamophobia and mm. all of these things. And yeah, fine. I might not obviously look like a Muslim or obviously look necessarily like I'm Middle Eastern, but I am. Mm. So I think realizing how dire the kind of situation in the world is and the really reductive stereotypes of what it's supposed to mean to be either of those things started to really piss me off. Yeah. Um, like I was in a cab I was in the introduction I talk about this like I was in, a, in an Uber and he was like where are you from and I was like oh, I'm from Egypt and he couldn't believe it he was like I thought you were Spanish because you're not veiled and I was like this is really dumb like yeah. this fucking ignorant yeah. um, and like, as a journalist as someone who's grown up in both cultures as someone who has a really open-minded family whereby I can talk about whatever I want and I they, they won't like be traumatized yeah i felt like i really had to because i was like who am i waiting for you know like this is a really important like we need to i need to contribute to the narrative mm. and i exist you know and no one's no people don't know that it seems no exactly exactly and i mean look i'm probably not the target audience for for this book in terms of you know it doesn't speak to my personal narrative but I do, I do get it. I do um, resonate with it because um, even with um, my wife is like Indo-Caribbean, um, so are my sisters. And a lot of the things that you went through, they went through as well. Yeah. So it's like, it's a very, uh, it's a story that resonates with a, a lot of cultures I found. Yeah, I think so. And that's what I really felt when I was writing the book. Like, of course, I'm coming at it from a Middle Eastern perspective, because that's where I'm from. But actually, as women all around the world, mm. we've been told many of the same things, you yeah. know, we have expectations of how we should look, how we should behave. And it was something that I really realized while I was writing the book, actually, is that many of these things are cross cultural. And I really wanted to, to make I tried to make that clear in each chapter as much as I could because I didn't want to pander as well to these narratives of like Middle Eastern women are oppressed or, oh, Muslim women, like poor them, you know, because mm -hmm. that's not the case. No. Actually, as a world, we are, it's a patriarchal world. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. that varies in different, you know, it might be a bit different, but like, for example, in the Middle East, you're supposed to be a virgin until you get married. But then in the West, there's slut shaming. So mm. like, okay, fine. It's not exactly the same, but the, the ethos behind it kind of is. Yeah, it's just like different, um, there's different volumes to, to 
how it's expressed or how it's perceived. Yeah. But it's, ultimately, it's the same thing. Well, it's, and it's just, only quite recently in the West that we've moved a little bit away from that as well. Like mm. women used to be considered hysterical if they wanted to like have sex, for example, in the Victorian times. Yes. So yeah, it's yeah. only, it's not that long ago. No, that's not that long ago at all. Yeah. Like, it's mad. What was that like though, in terms of, because the book has a theme of like shame and guilt mm. around it. You knowing that you had that itch to write it and knowing that you you have that voice and probably you know there's other people that need to read this book that would resonate with the story that you you would kind of be their voice there must have been a fear though around you know your community your family reading the book and because it's quite it's very very revealing isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. and I feel like part of the reason I, well no but one of the reasons why I'm really glad that it's social commentary as well. So obviously each chapter, it focuses a lot on my experiences, but then I zoom out and I have other women's voices yes. and I have research and stuff. And even my dad called me the other day because he's reading at the moment. And he was like, gosh, you've really like, you know, re you're, re <laughs> you're really being honest, you know? And I was like, listen, I'm not just hanging out my dirty laundry for yeah. jokes. Like other people feel this way. There's research that backs this up. And I feel like that kind of, Firstly, made me like I don't feel shame or guilt anymore after writing the book in a way because I'm just oh. like I worked through that yeah. and it's not just me, you know. So I feel like that gave me confidence because it was just so validated that it's like this is boring, you know, mm. like this is ridiculous. And actually, already like my mom is like, oh my god, you've changed my mindset completely. Really? Like you've you've experienced you've talked about so many things that I felt as well, but I didn't realize, I didn't know what to do about it, basically. So you verbalized it. She was like, you've broken all the barriers and like, thank you, basically. Or like her her friend is like 50-something-year-old Egyptian woman who lives in London. She mm. read the book and she went to her mom, who's 80. No. And she was like, mom, like, why did you give me this invisible jury? Like, who cares what people think? Read this book. So this 80-year-old woman has now read the book and called my mom because my mom knows her and was like, wow, your daughter is so brave. She's basically said what we all are thinking, but we're scared to say. That's incredible. <laughs> yeah, it was insane. <laughs> How did that feel? Honestly, the, it was the most amazing feeling because that was the only thing I was worried about. Like my grandparents' generation. Yeah. But they, well, she got it. So if she can get it, that's all that matters really. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like whoever doesn't get it, cool. You're not ready. It's not time. But this is the truth. Mm. And I think I just have such conviction that it's the truth that I, and it's not, I'm not even, it's not rocket science. I'm basically just saying that we should all be free to be ourselves and act on our own good judgment and our own instincts and like trust that we're good people and mm. that we're going to make the right decisions. Like, is that so shocking? I don't yeah. think so. No, it's not. It's not. And sometimes when, like you said, if you were in that environment, you maybe would have made better choices in hindsight yeah because ultimately you made those choices anyway but it would have been better if you had the support system around it exactly maybe, no, maybe you wouldn't have made those that choice well i think that a lot of the time we act in opposition yes to things so it's like oh i'm not allowed okay fucking watch me you know mm -hmm. or like everything is wrong so like what's right then because or for like with sex for example 
every you're not supposed to have sex so how do you make good judgments within that of like mm. okay this is a decent person this is like a safe place this is a safe way to you know what i mean yeah. and when everything's wrong there's no room for good decision making i think mm. and also when you're looking at the your male counterparts your cousins brothers or, or and they whatever. can do whatever they, they do whatever. want it's like huh like how do you deal with that it's crazy yeah. especially as a teen but your your experience is quite unique mm. as well because there's a lot of back and forth between London and and Egypt. Yeah, I mean, I know what it's well. I, I mean, I've read, so I kind of know what it's like. But just like, tell me a bit about what that was like in terms of. I think especially I'm, as a teenager, that's yeah. very disrupting. Well, I was really pissed off to say the least um, when I was younger, and every time I moved, I wanted to like kill my parents basically like I was like wow you guys are really taking the piss yeah (laughs) but in hindsight I'm so grateful because I really have two full lives Mm. you know I have a full group of friends in Egypt like I go I have so many friends there I feel really at home there um and that's amazing like not everyone who's grown up somewhere other than where they're originally from can say that yeah exactly um so i definitely think that yeah i'm so so grateful but at the time it was really hard thank god for msn messenger honestly because that was like the only thing i'd just be on there every day yeah i picked up on that as well (laughs) msn i was gonna ask you do you think um because you had you you mentioned in the book that using msn and building uh, your your friendships that way, you you could be a bit more measured. You could edit mm. your words, things like that. Do you, do you think that kind of started your love of writing? I always have been writing. Mm. I think since I was really young. I think moving so often, and like my parents used to fight all the time. So like that turmoil and turmoil in the house, and my like inner turmoil of being like just taken from country to country. Mm. That's what birthed my love of writing. I think because I needed an outlet. So from a really young age, I used to go to the library like all the time and just sit and read. I used to have like notebooks that I used to write like, God, if I was to read them now, like (laughs) all these just like heart wrenching poems of just like how hard life is. Um, And I think that was, yeah, really what what birthed the love. But then it kind of continued from there. Yeah, like you said, MSN Messenger. I had a blog that was like an anonymous blog when I was like 12. Oh, no, I was about to say, I thought it was your more recent blog. No, I had like (laughs) anonymous blogs, like with all my teen angst. And I made friends on there. So like before social media, I was already kind of online making friends. (laughs) Mad, mad. Both here and... yeah. Wow, yeah. Wow. Or like in America, like I have a friend on Instagram now and on Facebook who we became friends on this I can't remember what it was called, like blooper or something. I think I remember. Yeah. Like a yeah. long time ago. And then we became <laughs> friends on Facebook when Facebook started and yeah, she's like some girl in America who I've never met. It's just still a pen pal. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Mm. Just going back to um you were talking about the multi generational and you got uh like validation from a like an 80 mm. year old uh, Egyptian uh, lady but I mean so I saw in your Instagram stories that you your dad's reading through the book yeah and he mentioned something about your don't let your granddad see this yeah yeah so I mean obviously the I think and female sides a bit yeah. different well I think the thing is with women is that when many ways this would have been her experience too. Whereas I guess for my grandfather and he'll probably watch this because he Googles me, I think. And he like, (laughs) 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 he, um, he, 
won't really get it as much because for him it will be really alien, you know. Mm. Um, it won't be his experience in any way. Yeah, he never had sisters like his wife. It right. would be a different experience, you know. He wouldn't, and he's a very overprotective. Like he's a very he says for his age, like even when he was younger, he was already a dinosaur. That's his word. Mm. Um, so he was old fashioned even. Oh, okay. When he was young, right. But I think what's amazing about him is that, like, he called me last week and he was like, listen, I'm not going to read it, but I'm really proud of you. Like, you wrote a book. Who does that? Yeah. And I'm really proud of you and I don't need to read it. I already know you inside out. Like, right. there's nothing that I can, that it's fine, you yeah. know? Yeah. So I still, he, he still is proud and that's really what matters. He doesn't mm. need to read it. Definitely. How has it been? Because um, presumably you kind of coop up and write this book. Yeah. And you're like... Uh, you know, in your own shell, mm. and then all of a sudden, the book's out. You have to be out. You have to kind of bring yourself out of the shell, and then hear people's opinions as well. It's really like, weird. Mm. People keep telling me not to read the reviews, and I've not been doing a very good job <laughs> of listening. It's well, hard who, not been, to read it though. That, like, Everyone, like other or, yeah, authors, they're like, yeah. do not read the reviews. And I'm like, Googling my name. <laughs> Amazon reviews. Yeah. yeah. So far there so far I'm 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 happy it. So it's fine. Yeah. But I need to stop. I should definitely stop. Um but yeah, it's really weird. Like I I literally spent a year and a half ish, like locked in my house. And when I say locked in my house, like I've did, I hardly saw anyone. Yeah. Like I'd see like my mom, you know, or like my best friend who like I didn't even need to make any effort with. Like I couldn't be beyond my comfort zone. It was too much. Um so yeah, being out now is really bizarre. I've been slowly easing myself back in a little bit. Um like the book, I guess I submitted it like I don't know, a few months ago now. So I've been slowly slowly coming back to myself and to the world. Yeah. But it's funny because I feel like I'm a completely different person. Going through this. Yeah, like I'm completely different from when I started the In book. What ways? Like, I can't have like basic chat. Yes. I can't be like, how the weather? Like I really don't, I couldn't care less. Right. Um, and I'm a lot more comfortable in my skin for sure. And, and like mm. what I want, if I don't want to go somewhere, I'm not going. If I don't like you, I'm not going to bother. Like yeah. not to say I'm a dick, but I mean, I'm not going to like damage my own mental health. Yeah, for sure. For other people. Whereas I feel like I used to put myself in situations I might not have wanted to be in or mm. I'd be like oh this is like a cool place to be let me go or yep. I'm really tired no but I have FOMO like I can't miss this mm. night out you know I'd push myself to do loads of things that now I'm like whatever like <laughs> who cares oh it's another party or oh yay like doing it for the gram like I really can't yeah definitely not and I used to I did used to. I wanted to be in like the cool place mm. I always like wanted to have like nice photos to post on Instagram and now I'm like whatevs yeah. well your values change innit and yeah like you said being like right going through this two and a half year process of literally like being comfortable in your skin because yeah. it's a very revealing book yeah you know and you're kind of uh recounting from your childhood up until till now so mm. even that process for most people you don't really do that you don't really go back and think oh what are my major anchor points like what really made me who i am and 
what do I have to say to the world yeah. right now? And when you actually sit there and you ask yourself that, it's like, oh, wow, there's a lot of things here that either I, I don't want to remember or I don't want to go through yeah. or, you know, or there they could be great things as well that you may have forgotten. But just that whole process, really, you're going back into your your own your own skin i think it really helps you make peace with a lot of things as yes. well you, like you described I, it as catharsis yeah it was very 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 oh my god i can't even tell you how much like so so much mm. <laughs> so much like you just yeah you just even the people like there's someone called satan in there who yeah. you know <laughs> and like i'm not even mad like i don't even care anymore you yeah. know i don't think i even spoke about him that badly it was just mm. like these this is what happened yeah. you know um, and I feel like what was really interesting actually is as I finished writing the book, I turned 30 right. and that was a really interesting, it just felt like the end of the end of all of that kind of turmoil and mm. not to say that I'm not going to have problems. Like I'm sure things are going to happen and I'm going to still change. I'm definitely not the person I'm going to be forever, but it felt like a real end to like the teenage 20 kind of trying to figure things out like i know who i am now yeah and i like her like she's cool <laughs> that's brilliant that's really good yeah. um we're talking about going back through your childhood but i've actually got a question about that so you described going into school and like being fresh off the boat mm. and that being the first experience of people telling you you're brown yeah what was that like uh, it's funny because it's never something that I thought about. It yeah. only came to me as I was writing the book. Yes. Um, I never thought like, oh, it just wasn't a thing. Um, but yeah, at the time it did feel like in hindsight now when I think about it, it did feel weird. Like it wasn't even so much the color of my skin. It was more like the color of my hair, mm. like on my body. Right. You know, like I'll never forget when that girl pointed, she was like, why do you have hair? And it was on the back of my neck. And I wanted the ground to like swallow me up, you know, mm. like I was so ashamed. I was, and I remember, or like my curly hair, like I'd have it in a ponytail and it would be tight at the front. So it's kind of straight. And then there'd be like a puff of curl at the back. Mm. And this girl, I remember so well, she'd make fun of me, like, why is your hair like that kind of thing? And it was more stuff like that, that I was like, God, and kids are so mean. Kids can be really mean. I don't think they realize the power of words. Yeah, man. And that so stuff sticks as well. It does. I still remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can remember where I was, like I was yeah. walking around the school, you know, like I remember it so well. Yeah. Because um, you described other kids being your first mirror. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, think a lot of people would, would resonate with that. Mm. Definitely. I mean, um, I think you, you said a couple of things in the book that I really resonate with. And that's, I think as, uh, as brown or uh, people of color or whatever the term is mm. now, or whatever. Um, even when we watch movies and things like TV, whatever, if you don't see a character that looks like you, I mean, as kids, you're not really concerned about that. I think you just resonate with who the character is. You, yeah. see the, you see the character of the person first. Exactly. I wonder what it is that made that changes as you get older, why it becomes, because it is really important to see people who look like you and stuff. But I wonder what it is that when you're young, you don't, re you don't even notice that in no. a way, I don't think. No, because you're just looking at it as a, as a character. Okay, that's the villain. That's the hero. Yeah. It doesn't necessarily matter that that person is. Or do you think that's because we didn't have a choice? We had to find probably. ourselves in them. Yeah, but I think because of that, I think 
we have built up a, a level of empathy or mm. or something for people. We, I mean, for me, I see people as they as they are first. I think partly because of that. Yeah. Going through that and you're just, you know, you just see people as they are. You see yeah. their characters first. Like, it's weird to think that people don't, you know? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But like, when you said about um, like other kids being your, your mirror for the yeah. first time, that really, really resonated. I was mm. like, wow. Because, I mean, I didn't live in Cairo and come back to London, but I think a lot of people do have uh, that experience of being an outsider, which is what your, your book's all about yeah. ultimately, isn't it? I think that everyone really feels like an outsider at one point or another, like Mm. whether it's because of an opinion that you have or like how much money you have or where you live or like what your kind of your skin is or whatever. There's always, always, always going to be something that makes you feel like an outsider. And I feel like something that I really wanted to do with the book as well was just really just show like a human story because at the end of the day, we are all human and we all have we want the same things work we get sad about the same things we hope for the same things for our loved ones you know and I feel like yeah it's really this 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 phase that we're in or not phase because I guess there's always been versions of this but like othering people it's Good just term. othering yeah it's awful yeah, it is it's like, what are you doing? Like, can you not see UP, IP? Like, we all go to the bathroom. Like, we're all going to die. We're mm-hmm. going to be buried in the same ground. It's bizarre. Yeah, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. But I guess people want to feel better than other people. But yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not good for us. No. <laughs> not good it's for not. Us like people are dying. Anyway, not to get too deep. But it's just <laughs> like, what the hell, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's go back somewhere else. <laughs> so, um, so you mentioned like turning thirty, and you feeling like a not a brand new person. Is that fair to say? Uh, no, there's a quote that I love, and it says, "I never change; I simply become more myself." Ooh, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I've never been more myself, mm. and it's a nice feeling. It feels like I really unpicked all of the. And this is what I hope that the book helps other people do for themselves too, is you unpick why was I, what do I, you know, I've been told this or I've been told that I should believe that or that I should do this or that I should be that. What do I think? Mm. Because at the end of the day, we can't live for other people, you know? You have to kind of make your own decisions and again, trust that they're the right ones or that you'll learn if not and kind of just have faith in yourself basically and that you are you need to just be the best person person that you can be. You can't mm. be your cousin's aunt's son's dog's like idea of who you should be. Yeah, yeah. Because you said um, like growing up, a lot of the the comments were, "Oh, what would the neighbors think? Mm-hmm. Or what would this aunt think? Or why is that?" I don't <laughs> really know. I think that in a lot of cultures, like Arab culture, mm. it is a very communal. You know, like like I said I, in chapter three, I'm talk I talk about how like Arab friendships are so amazing, and mm. you'll never die alone. Like yes, if you're yeah. in a car crash, like the whole street will stop and like die with you, basically. And I feel like that's a, that's amazing. And the flip side of that is that they then feel like they have an, are right to have an opinion on the rest of your life. Right. And I think that's what it is. It's like 
I can go knock on anyone's door and they'll give me tea and they'll be so generous and so hospitable. Mm. But then they'll also judge me because they feel like we're all reflective of each other, I guess, or we're all, I don't know. It's my only, it's the only thing that I can think basically is that we're in such a communal mindset which is amazing, but mm. then the flip side of that is that we're in a communal mindset, so yeah. they have the right to judge me. Right. So do you think it's more like, although you're not family necessarily, but it's like you'll bring shame upon yeah. this community? Yeah. 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 Or maybe it's like, oh, I want to protect you from God's wrath. I don't, right. I don't know. That's yeah, just so like... a mix of different beliefs and stuff yeah. like that as well. Wow. Um, a lot of it is to do with honor and shame and... You know, this is like our family name or this is, you know, yeah, don't bring shame on us, basically. Mm. So that really relates to the invisible jury. Yeah. I mean, you've been able to to navigate that probably more so recently than um, than growing up. But everyone has an invisible jury as well. Um, How how did you deal with that or how do you deal with that? Because obviously it never goes away no it doesn't it never goes away and I don't know I don't know everyone has their own version yeah. of like the X Factor panel or the Britain's Got Talent yeah, panel yeah. and it's just like these people oh my god I'm so gonna think of it like that seriously that's on. how I think of it <laughs> seriously and I don't know why but there's certain yeah. people that pop into your head and as soon as you share something and mm. that's I mean predominantly it's gonna be on social media nowadays but um with you, your book, or anything that you're writing, or posting, or with a podcast, or whatever, it's like the invisible jury is yeah. the first people you see in your head, and it's why is that, and how do you deal with that? For people, I, I mean, yeah, I mean, you've got kind of some takeaways around that, but I have a theory that people are really scared of themselves, so it's like I might want to. Like, say, okay, say, for example, you are smoking a cigarette. I don't know, it's the first thing I thought of. Say mm-hmm. you're smoking a cigarette and I want to smoke a cigarette, but I don't, but it's bad, you know, I'm scared of that. So I'm like, don't. And in policing you, I'm policing myself because right. if you can do whatever you want, maybe I can do whatever I want. And what's that going to look like? Uh-huh. Maybe I'm like going to go nuts and I'm not going to be able to control myself and it's all going to just be nuts. So let us all police each other basically and make sure that we are on this like straight and narrow that I don't know who's invented basically. Mm. That's my theory. I don't know if yeah. it's accurate or not. <laughs> but how, how do you, I mean, even down to, I mean, you've got this uh, experience of, of doing the book and coming out and having that almost like I don't give a shit. Mm. Like I am who I am. I'm happy with that. For people that haven't written a book, <laughs> how would you suggest that they attain a little of that so they can just be more comfortable in their own skin? I think that it's a really that's a really difficult question because some people can can get in trouble for not caring, mm. if you know what I mean. So True. I think there's that to consider as well of like, okay, my parents are really chill, like they're, I'm not gonna get locked in my room or whatever, God forbid. So it's also kind of figuring that out of like how, and it's sad to say, I don't want to have to say that, but it's also like how, I think at the end of the day, we have to live as authentically to ourselves as we can. So like if there's Mm. limits on that in a certain way, because you're going to really get in trouble, then it's sort of doing what you can within those limits. But I think 
oh, I hate saying that, but it's the truth. Yeah. Um, but I think that in order to do that, we have to really think about what it is that we believe. Mm. And I think, okay, fine. It came out because I wrote the book, but I, I think you can, do, obviously you can do it without writing the book is where you sort of really think about, okay, this is what I've been told. Do I believe that? Cause if I do cool, fine, go ahead, you know, but if I don't believe it, what can I do within my limits to live as authentically as I can to myself? Mm. Very good, very good. Let's talk about. Um, I mean, there's a couple of chapters about sex and and marriage and and expectancy around that. Mm. Um, and I was like alarmed to hear that there's like, I don't even was that there's like surgery. Yeah, you never heard about it before. No. Yeah. Like, that was bizarre to me. What like, hymen reconstruction? Yeah. Yeah. But that's how that the invisible jury. Mm. Um, and the judgment around that is just crazy. But you can get so, killed. It's called the so-called honor killings. Yeah. So in reaction to that, yeah, some people are re- literally re- tra- like trying to re-sew themselves up. That's crazy. Mm. That's crazy. Um, but it's, it was almost like an invisible cage as well that women are, are living in. Yeah. And like you said, it's, it's not just um, M- Middle Eastern women, but it's women in general. Yeah. Um, there used to be chastity belts here. Yeah. It's insane. It's yeah. insane. Yeah, it's really sad. I think it's really sad that women all over the world are so... Like, it's just crazy. They're so put into these, like, narrow boxes of how we're supposed to live. Mm. And I think it's amazing what's happening right now is that I think that so much of the younger generation, especially, are kind of on the shoulders of everyone who's come before them really starting to speak out about these things and being like, this is bullshit. You know, I'm not going to just just shut up and take it. You know, even like with Me Too, all of these kind of things, it feels like we've really reached a turning point in a way where it's it's just not acceptable anymore. And I think there's still a long, 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 long way to go. Mm. But I think the more people who feel like they can speak out about these things and who can even draw attention to some of these inequalities because so much of it really goes unnoticed in a way like I remember I was on the bus and there was this man um, and he was wearing these tiny little hot pants like gym shorts and he was stretching on on the street and he had like his leg up and he was like proper like stretching and it was totally fine and I, I remember thinking my first thought was like God, how lucky that you can stretch in the street like that and not be worried that someone's going to like come rape you or someone's going to like whistle at you or Mm. come and sexualize you. No one's sexualizing you. You're literally just stretching in the street and that's fine. Freedom. I've never seen a woman do that. Have you? Not in hot pants. (laughs) (laughs) Even in like long trousers. In London, that's just, that's weird. That's bizarre. But it's true. Yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's, it's a real thing that you have to think about. Like, okay, can I, can I, not to be alarmist, you know, but it Mm -hmm. is something that, that as women, we, we consider. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about consideration as well. So you were in a interracial relationship. Yeah. (laughs) So weird to even like say that. I know, like really, (laughs) um, you're in a relationship, but how, how was that, um, perceived in your, your community, in your, your family? Cause you know, over here. It's yeah. a normal thing, but maybe in Egypt is... is well, not. my family, my immediate family, again, like really chill. 
um my parents loved him like mm. he used to come on holiday with us like super chill well and was very disappointing to to for me to realize that in egypt it wasn't that chill mm. um again like i come from a very like privileged background in egypt everyone's everyone is well traveled and like well read and like all of these things which softened it a little bit but then at the same time it was almost more shocking because it was like what the hell you know it was more shocking here and there yeah like they should have they were less shocked than someone else might have been but then it was shocking to me that they were still shocked right because i was like this is so weird like Mm. how the hell are you guys so backwards Mm. um yeah but again i'm very lucky that at the end of the day, they loved me. So the, anything that I did, they were fine with because they trusted my judgment. Mm. And because they, and he was great, to be honest. So like everyone who met him, they were like, oh, he's so sweet. Oh my God. He's completely changed my stereotype of like what it means, which is just <laughs> horrible. But, but this is why we need like to yeah. everyone to just be open and every, like we need everyone to be telling their stories because we're all human mm. so they'd meet him and they'd be like oh you're great oh okay oh i didn't I forgot that you're black now you, do you know what i mean like yeah yeah it wasn't the first thing the that otherness. they immediately they didn't they stopped othering him because mm. they saw that he was the same as them you know it's bizarre isn't it like, <laughs> yeah. once you bring people close and they realize you know how similar yeah they are or how how similar we are so many of those negative parts of us just disappear which is why i think that a lot of it comes down to like ignorance sounds like a bad word but i mean ignorance in terms of just not knowing or not being around or not seeing or not being what's the word i'm looking for um exposed Mm. to different things definitely i think i mean the the state of culture at the moment i think a, a lot of it is people don't realize that you know what they're saying or what they're doing is actually offensive or hurtful to other people. Yeah. But I think a lot a lot of times if they're made aware, they're like, Oh, I actually didn't know. Sorry. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, but I mean we live in such a shouty world at the moment in terms of like you say something on Twitter or someone says something, you're gonna have a, a mob behind you. So it, it kind of pushes people away rather than bring them together. And I think yeah. like you said, the more people that are um coming out with their stories and things like that, the closer we'll yeah i'm in such two minds about it though because half of me is like oh we need to like we really have this opportunity to move away from all the like old racist sexist like Mm. all these old heart they should be old ideas um so we should really forge forward in that and kind of if someone says something wrong we should tell them that it's wrong because we need to get past this and then the other half of me is like okay so we're in this turning point now where again we have the opportunity to enter this new world and some people you're not trying to be offensive you know you mm. genuinely maybe don't know or you're genuinely asking a question yeah. or you genuinely haven't been exposed to like you might not know that that's wrong basically so should we just be like fuck you and like cancel you or should we kind of try and help increase understanding across the board because no one's born knowing everything and if Mm. we're trying to be better is that is that enough shouldn't it be enough i think people should help more (laughs) yeah like if someone's obviously there's some people that are just trolls in it but if someone's generally 
asking a question, maybe that person needs help, you know, but nuance is not great on the internet. No, <laughs> you no. just see text and people don't even like really, there's no human element no. really to it. So everyone's just shouting at each other. But I think, yeah, I think people just need education, you know, and we're here to kind of educate each other. So exactly, exactly yeah. that. Let's just shift gears a bit and talk about the uh, the actual writing process. Okay. Because, you know, writing a book to people may sound like, oh, right, I'm going to start at the beginning, mm-hmm. finish at the end, and that's it. But, you know, as a musician, as a, as a songwriter, I know that it's, yeah, it's not like that at all. It's, it's really messy. Yeah, well, there's a lot of going back and editing and there's a lot of... Um a lot of things change. Like if I had, if I looked at my first draft now or even my proposal to what the finished book is, it's probably very, 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 very different. Mm. Like the ideas were always there. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, it's probably the same writing a song. Like you're kind of coming up with it as you go along. Yeah. So like you, you can know change your ideas. I had a deadline. <laughs> <laughs> that helps. I could, I could still be editing it today to be yeah. honest. Yeah. I think that's like done is better than perfect, you know, because there's no such thing as perfect. So you do have to just be like, okay, done out in the world now. That's it. Do you have that feeling of, you know, now it's done and it's literally out in the world that this is no longer yours? Yes. And I think it's important to, to do that because otherwise you're too close to it. Like I've, I've taken what I could out of it. I learned, I grew, I changed, I, I wrote it. And now someone can read it and be drawn to it one chapter. Someone else can read it and relate to something else entirely. And it almost belongs to the reader now and what they want to take out of it. Because in reading it, they're going to put their own experiences in. They're going to read it with their own viewpoints, with their own eyes, basically. So they're going to probably see things that I didn't even put in there, Mm. you know? Yeah, for sure. For sure. And also like your experience over the last 20, 30 years... Um, people are still going to go through similar situations yeah. now. And obviously in in different societies, there's going to be different levels of, you know, how extreme that is, but it's still going to resonate with so many people. And the great thing about books is that they last forever. Yeah, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what does that feel like though as well? Like what, what do you want people to, to really get from, from this book? Honestly, I really, I really, really, really want everyone to feel free to be themselves you know to kind of really unpick like okay my family told me this my culture told me this my religion told me this cool what do I think because that's not always the same thing Mm. and I think again like, like it's really important to live authentically because otherwise like what are we doing that's number one yeah uh and I also just really want to humanize this like culture and this religion that Mm. people are really scared of right now and I think that's really sad you know like there's so many narratives that need to be told yeah for sure and this is for sure one of them Mm. so I wanted I really wanted to contribute to that that's amazing and with those two things have you got like feedback from from that have you had any like validation on so much yeah how's that been it's really been like, it's like 
it's so nice like i can't every day on instagram i'm getting and also i think because i chronicled the writing process so much on yeah. social media people are like finally the yeah, book exactly. and i'm like it's basically not even like it just came out you know um so it's nice it feels like people have been waiting for it to in hopes of seeing themselves in it. Mm. Um, and so many people are like, so many people are like, oh my God, you're in my head. This is exactly my life. Like you're the own, like I've never thought that I would see anyone that like really encapsulated my feelings, you know? And I'm just yeah. like, God, that's so lovely. But then on, on the other side is that this is of course not going to speak for every single Middle Eastern woman out there. Of course. And nor should it. Yeah. And I think that one of the burdens, and I tweeted this the other day actually, is one of the burdens of being like a person of color or coming out with a book or any kind of anything is that it's a people. some people expect it to speak for everyone. Mm. And that's never the case. I think... One of the things about white privilege is that this is what I wrote in my tweet is one of the things about white privilege is that you are allowed to be an individual and your story doesn't necessarily need to reflect every single other white person in the whole entire world. Yeah. But like an Arab woman releasing a book, it's like, oh, but you ignored the Arab woman who lives in Afghanistan and, it, you know, and it's like, no, dude, calm down. Yeah. They, she should tell her story too. Exactly. You know, you need a diverse a diversity of stories exactly. and voices exactly to really paint the, the, the culture so everyone yeah. can really understand it. For sure. And that really goes back to what we we're saying about uh, seeing different characters in, in movies and stuff. It's they're just characters, you know, it's not, they're not speaking for the whole existence, <laughs> you know. And that's the problem is I think we're often supposed to. And mm. it's like, this is a huge responsibility. That's not at all what we're trying to do no, here, you you're know. you're just telling your story. Exactly. Yeah. And, and everyone, important. and that's why it's so important for everyone who can to tell their stories. Mm. So do you think this will inspire well, you hope this will inspire people to, to tell their own stories. Yeah, I hope so. I hope, again, that it gives people courage to to be themselves and to act mm. on their own volition, basically, instead of, yeah, in, like just feeling. And I also think that it's really important to have people to look to who have done it before you. Yes. It kind of gives you courage and makes you think like, oh, if they've done it, then maybe I can too. Mm. That is so important because I do think people feel they need permission. Yeah. You know, and it does take a few courageous people to give loads of people permission just by writing a book or even writing a blog post yeah. or writing a tweet or a 10 second Instagram or just with your with your truth. It is really scary doing it, but you just realize how your kind of like most vulnerable moments really, really, really resonate with people because yeah. although we are, you know, we, we're unique beings we do all go through the same things. Do you know what I mean? Even like your upbringing, uh, yeah, sorry, your upbringing was completely different to mine, but I resonated with it so much yeah. because like you said, everyone knows what it feels like to be other. Yeah. And I think as well as that, we all have imposter syndrome. Mm. So like just someone kind of doing it anyways makes you think like, oh, okay, well maybe I, can, maybe I can just ignore my imposter syndrome for a bit or maybe I can like mute it a little bit, you know? Yeah. And kind of, yeah, we need to like persevere because I really think that everyone has imposter syndrome. Everyone feels like an other. Everyone feels like 
weird and silly and vulnerable at times, you know? And it's almost just doing it anyways. Yeah. It's not waiting to stop feeling like that. It's doing it anyway. For sure. It's almost like being in a in a club and no one's dancing. It just takes the first person yeah. to, to give everyone else permission. Yeah. But that first person still felt vulnerable. Exactly. Well, well unless not. they were really drunk. <laughs> then maybe not. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Amazing. So you've done an audiobook as well. Yeah. <laughs> what was that like coming out of your your shell in your house you've been locked up and all of a sudden now you're recording your book I actually had to audition really <laughs> for your own book yeah well I imagine my voice was shit or like he couldn't understand me I guess you know oh, wow but I, I don't I think I was the only person to audition but I think it was just like sure to make sure you know <laughs> like oh okay fine we can understand what you're saying cool done right that makes sense um yeah, yeah. yeah. Before I had to do like a five minute thing. little thing yeah. it's funny actually but you mentioned how different it was because you wrote the book in a a certain tone yeah, you know, there's a lot of references. There's other people's voices you've you've, you've used in there. What was that like? Actually, recording I, it. I had a producer who was amazing, so he like really helped. Because sometimes I'd be like, "Wait, should I put someone? Should I put an accent on for this person?" And he was like, "No, no, just speak normally." Um, but yeah, it was a really honestly, it was a very interesting experience because obviously I'd written the book I'd read it like six million I could probably recite pieces by heart like I've read it a million million times but reading it while being recorded and with someone like listening to me reading it and stuff felt like a really different experience because you have to like emphasize some words and it depends on the sentence you know so you're giving feeling to each Mm. sentence so it reminded me what I had said right do you know what I mean? Like, I was like, oh, shit, I'm really saying some stuff. <laughs> wow, okay, I'm really saying some stuff There is a power here. to actually saying things out loud. Yeah, there is, there is. Because you have to give it feeling. So in doing that, it kind of takes on a, a new life. Mm. Were there any parts where, because when you're, when you're sharing your own story and it's very revealing, were there any parts where you're like... Oh my God, the sex chapter, I literally was like, shoot me now. <laughs> Like, and there's like an old man, like listening on the speaker, on the right. headphones, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, uh, but he was so cool. And he was like, I totally hear what you're saying kind yeah. of thing. So yeah. it was like, oh, okay, cool, fine. <laughs> um, that was, yeah, those chapters were the hardest to write. They're the hardest to speak about. They're mm. the hardest to do the audiobook. But that again goes back to that's the main thing where the shame comes from. Yeah. So I'm that like, yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. So it's almost like, okay, cool, you're proving my point by the fact that I'm still kind of a bit awkward about this. So fuck this. I'm not going to be awkward because who are you? Right. This stupid invisible jury of X Factor yeah, exactly. or whatever, X-factor you know? Judges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that is a really good point. I love that. Um, what's it been like as well uh, coming from, I'm just going to go back to the writing a book, such a like solo process. You're not really socializing and no. stuff. And then now you're doing you're doing this, you're talking about it out loud, you're going to do a hundred more different press things. Um, You have your launch party coming up soon as well. Yes, I'm so excited. What's what's going through your your mind as well? I'm really tired. And I haven't even really started. Like, this is early days of the promo. Um, It feels really nice, honestly, like hearing you like reference things. You know, I'm like, oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) It feels really nice to have gone from such a solo endeavor to now be able to talk about it with people um, is really just like unreal. I think what I'm really trying to be kind to myself yes. and just like not, you know, like 
like on this last weekend, I I didn't go out at all. I literally was like, I'm going to sit at home and like watch Top Boy and just like chill the fuck out. And I feel like, yeah, it's, it's, it's striking the balance because a lot of the time you forget okay, eating well is important, you know, going to the gym, like it's going to set me up for the day. When you're busy, you can forget to make time to do those things, even though doing them will make you feel less busy, less stressed and like do the things better. It's counterintuitive. Exactly. Um, So yeah, it's been really crazy. But I think that in a way, being so solo for so long helped set me up. It's I'm also like, oh my God, what's happening? But it also helped set me up for the busier, crazier times because I really learned what it was I needed. Mm. Like I have like a gratitude diary I write in every morning and every night, you know, like small things like that, which kind of keep me rooted. Um, And that I had all the time in the world when I was at home to kind of just make these routines for myself Mm. has been really good in a way because I'm trying to keep carrying them Ah, on. That's good. That is really good. So you're going to have a very, very busy few months? Yeah, I hope so. I hope busy is a good sign. So Mm. I hope so. Yeah. That's really good. That's really good. Do you expect to be writing again soon? <laughs> <laughs> People have started asking me, like, oh, are you working on the next book? And I'm like, can you just leave me to just chill for yeah, like five minutes? Exactly. Um, yeah. I do have a few ideas mm. of things that I want to do. I have an a sto- a idea for a book um, I won't go into. Yeah, it's sure. like really early days. Like I have a few, a few things that I want to do. And they're all in the hopes of, again, just telling more of the stories that need to be told. That's mm. like my real, I feel like that's my calling. That's your mission. I know it sounds really cheesy, but it's I'm not. like, that's what I have to do yeah. is just keep telling stories that are not in the mainstream. Mm. Yeah, it's needed. It's definitely needed. I mean, even if it's giving permission to for more people to, to tell yeah. their stories, you know, it's completely needed. Do you see? Do you see these stories being told visually as well? Maybe. Maybe. That'd be <laughs> yeah, it's definitely needed. Yeah. It's definitely needed because, yeah. Uh, yeah, it definitely captures. It's a whole other skill though. Mm. I'm like dabbling, but I'm like, okay. whoa. <laughs> wow. Good, yeah. good. If you could go back um, and speak to, to Ali on first day, going back to when you went to Cairo for a year, mm. what would you tell her knowing, knowing what you know now? I would say don't give a fuck what anyone thinks. But then at the same time, I really think that like all the things that happen or that we feel or that we do or I wouldn't want to change anything Mm. because all everything, all the mistakes and the good things and all the stuff made Mm. me who I am today. I don't think the book would have existed had I been any different. And I think that, yeah, everything happens the way it should. For sure, for sure it does. And you've got a very unique viewpoint on it. Like I said, going back and forth and uh, having a life here, having a life in yeah. Egypt, being in... Because you, you you came from Geneva first, right? Yeah, I lived, but I feel like that almost doesn't count. Like yeah. I was so young. Yeah. But yeah, I lived there for three years. Yeah. So it's almost like, I mean, from, from my perspective, it's that you're a, a bit of a beacon in terms yeah. of you can speak to people, uh, an experience here but you can also ex- uh, speak to an experience there, like you said, um, with your friends back there and uh, with your with your um, ex-boyfriend. And 
because they loved you so much, you were able to peel back some some layers from yeah. them. So just keep on doing what you're doing, man, because Thanks. I think it is your calling in terms of telling that story and well, telling your own story and giving people permission. Like it's, it's even it's even helped me in terms of, like you said, um, you know, just being comfortable in your own skin and uh, speaking your truth, you know. I think it's going to be amazing. So thank you. Congrats. Thank you very much. Congratulations. Where can people find you um, online? Yeah. If you want them to. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow me. I'm on Instagram and Twitter at Alia Moro, A-L-Y-A-M-O-O-R-O. And you can order my book on Amazon. Yeah. Worldwide. Worldwide. Yeah. Same day shipping. Amazon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Better than Royal you? Mail, right? <laughs> What? Better than Royal Yeah, Mail. I think they are, yeah. to be honest. But well, maybe we shouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> they're going to they're gonna clamp us down. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for this. Thank you. It's been brilliant. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Please drop a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you hear this and share with a friend as well. And search Ryan Nile Show on YouTube.